One out, nobody on. The playoff to Murphy. Left-hand batter, strike three call. To the knees and right down the middle of the plate. But down, Murphy. Some games go on for a long time. This one's still going on in my mind. Welcome to Autographs. This is episode 14, uh, and as you may have noticed, we've been off a couple weeks. We've had uh, a little bit of technical difficulties, in fact, bleeding over into this recording, but we've got everything worked out, so hopefully we're back every week now uh, through the end of the season. Uh, and of course, Autonew is uh, a year-round game, so we'll try and be with you through the off-season as well. Uh, what we wanted to talk about today is, uh, you may have seen an article that Justin posted uh, on Rotographs about auto new all-stars. Everyone's talking about all-stars now, of course, uh, with the all-star game coming up. But what we wanted to talk about a little more specifically was auto new all-stars, uh, which has uh, really two meanings. Justin, you can confirm, but I think your article, you basically went through each position and you just figured out the best performing player at that position by total points. So really the all-stars just by performance, right? Right. And I didn't, I didn't factor any, you know, points over replacement, points per game, points per innings pitch. It was just gross, you know, total um, fan graphs points for, for each position um, in the auto new lineup. So. Yeah. And, and that makes a lot of sense. As I was kind of thinking about the idea for this episode, you know, I thought it really makes more sense for an article to use kind of a solid criteria like that, or you can just look and see this guy has the most points, right? You don't really need to do a ton of math because then you get into judgments about, you know, what stat is more important? Is it points per game or points per at bat? You know, things like that. Um, and I really thought the idea of who has the most value at a position is kind of worthy of a conversation. A lot of times there's going to be a couple different players that are all interesting in that respect. Um, and I think we saw that in some of the choices we have. Um, for those of you uh, who are not recording with us, uh, I'll pull back the screen. We have a list here kind of of each of our picks at different positions. Um, and we'll see as we go through them, some of them we kind of zoned in on the same player. Some of them there was a little divergence onto who we thought may have been providing the most value. Um, and, and by value, I mean the player's production compared to their salary. So you know, if you own Mike Trout, he's playing really well, but you paid a lot for him. Um, uh, on the other hand, some of the players we're going to discuss, including the first one coming right up, uh, are players that are performing very well, but you also likely own them at a very low price. Uh, and really, that's where value comes from in Autonew. If you can get production at a low salary, because that frees you up to do so much more. Uh, so we'll jump right into it with a player who totally fits that description. Uh, we're going to start with catcher. And Justin and I both highlighted here Wilson Ramos, who you'll actually remember was the highest scoring catcher in Justin's article. So not only is the highest scoring catcher, but uh, his average price across all Autonew leagues is only a little over $3. I think it's something like $3.30 averaged out. Um, and I think that's a great example of a player who not only he's playing well, but if you own him, you're getting, you know, top level production for really, you know, maybe 20, almost $30 less than some of the other players. So, uh, that's really where you're going to be able to win some of your leagues. If you have that player locked in at five bucks, then you're going to go out and spend more of that money on your rotation or on your outfield or wherever. Um, Justin, do you have any other comment on, on Ramos? Yeah, not. I mean, I was very surprised to see that he he came out with the highest uh, 
the highest points total through the first half of the season. I was very surprised it wasn't Buster Posey or, or Jonathan Lucroy because Lucroy's had a really, uh, really excellent first half. Um, but Ramos is, uh, you know, it's kind of like a long awaited breakout. I mean, he's had, he's definitely shown some flashes in the past and he um, has battled some injury uh, issues, but um, obviously I think that this first half of the season is showing that th this is what his breakout is going to look like. So, um, I don't know that like the projections don't think he's going to necessarily keep it up, but even if he reverts back to, you know, being like a $5 catcher the rest of the way, you, you, you banked this first half already. And for $3, I mean, he could pretty much not play the rest of this, the year and you, you got your money's worth. So uh, if he's going to regress, maybe you don't want him to play. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. Cause then you're, then you're tempted to keep running him out there, even though right. uh, he's performing. But yeah. Well I think that's a great point that, um, you know, that sometimes we can forget about when it comes time for trades and when it comes time for making moves, that if you get some great production in the first half, you have it already. You've already banked those points, especially in the, the Fangrass points and the Sabre points leagues. In the Roto, it's a little bit different where, you know, players go up and down. But especially in those points leagues, like once you get the points, you never have to give them back. Um, an, Another player we have here. So uh, I, I was just mentioning before we got on to record offline a little bit, that sometimes I notice that if you don't own a player on any of your teams, especially for those of us who play uh, in multiple leagues, have uh, shares of guys on different teams, uh, sometimes if you don't own a player on any of those teams, you start to kind of miss out on what he's doing. You might not realize what's going on. And then you come into a discussion like this and you say, whoa, well, yeah, I didn't realize what this player was doing. Uh, and Trey, I'm in a little bit in that position with JT Real Muto, who you have penciled in here as um, a top player at catcher. And I totally, I don't own him anywhere. I hadn't really realized what he was doing this season. And then I took a look and it's pretty good. Do you want to comment a little on what he's doing this year? Well, you shouldn't feel as bad as I do because I went back to look at our preseason catcher rankings. So Ramos, we had, you know, the four of us, you, just, you Justin, and uh, Joe and I, we had Ramos ranked 22nd overall. And we actually all put a dollar on him. We thought his, his value was a dollar. So <laughs> we all missed there. But I was the only guy that had any money on Real Muto. I was high on him coming into the season, but not, you know, not. I put four dollars on him, and I think I was the only one to, to actually say that he was above replacement. But he's exceeded that. He's he's the fourth best catcher right now, almost heading into the All Star break. So he scored about a hundred points less than Wilson Ramos, but. He's great for Roto. He's leading the major leagues for catchers and stolen bases. He's hitting 320. So he doesn't have a lot of power and he doesn't walk a lot, but he's been a great find. He's a fourth-ranked catcher right now. So he's riding high on a pretty pretty high you know, batting average uh, on balls in play. So we'll see again, kind of like Justin mentioned, we'll see if that continues in the second half. But interesting, isn't it, that our two catcher all-stars were borderline top 20 catchers in the preseason, which I don't know if that says more about what we thought about these guys or more about the state of catching right now, but it's been an interesting year at that position. Well, that's an interesting point to bring up the state of catcher. Cause I do remember um, early on in some of our podcasts where we covered our different rankings at positions, uh, all of us kind of commented that we saw catcher as this position where, you know, there's Buster Posey up at the top. Then there's a couple players like Luke Roy, Brian McCann, kind of these solid hitters that you would expect to be in maybe the two to five or six range. Um, and then like a steep drop off, like a lot of guys that we saw just kind of in that five dollar range. Um, and a little bit uh, we've been proven wrong. 
in that some of these guys have broken out and have filled in those top tiers. You know, so not only is Ramos performing like the top catcher so far, but guys like Real Muto who have kind of filled out that middle tier guys in like that two, five, six, seven range of catchers um, where we kind of didn't think there would be so many players. We thought there'd be more of a steep drop off. Um, like you said, I'm not sure, you know, if that's a commentary so much on our skills or if it's a commentary on, you know, the predictability of catchers. You know, Ramos is a guy that people had been predicting breakouts for years, but for whatever reason, he'd be injured or he wouldn't be performing. He could never quite get it. Um, so it may just be that catcher is one of those positions where you never quite can tell when someone's going to break out. Um, or might be that we don't know what we're doing. So <laughs> we'll uh, keep our eyes on this and see kind of how things shake out. Um, if you guys have any other comments on catcher or you want to move on to first base. Oh, we can move on. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, first base here, we had again, um, two of us placed the same player. Uh, and it was David Ortiz, who, as I was kind of going through, who I thought some of the obvious candidates to talk about today, uh, I really didn't think there were any super notable, you know, MVP level performances at first base, because a lot of the guys that were performing really, really well were the ones that we expected to be near the top of the tier. Um, but Ortiz was one that jumped out a little at me just because we had him ranked a little lower. I think we had him more like in the 10 to $15 range, but instead, you know, just like Ramos, he's performing up near the top of first base. In fact, I think when I checked, he was the top ranked first baseman by total points. Is that, am I correct or not correct on that, Justin, since you wrote the article? Yeah, no. Yeah. He's, he's, he's number one. Yeah. So we, you know, we expected him to be good, but um, he's been a a lot better than we might've realized at the beginning of the season. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and, better than any 40 year old has any right to be really. Um, yeah, seriously. And in, in his final season. Um, yeah. I mean, he's, you know, he's, his price was obviously depressed because everyone knew he wasn't coming back next year. So it was really, you know, any value we're going to get out of him would have to be for the 2016 season, but even at $17, um, that's looking like a screaming bargain right now. So, uh, the other guy real quick that I wanted to mention that I didn't have on, on, um, have on our list that we're going through right now is uh, Brandon Belt. I mean, he's had uh, a very good um, beginning to the season as well. I mean, not fantastic, but based on how um, I think I'm, I'm looking right now. Yeah, he's got, I mean, he's got a $13 average salary, which isn't real cheap, um, but he's one of those guys that I think um, a lot of, a lot of the stud first baseman, I feel like have been a little bit disappointing. Um, and he's he's a guy that's kind of creeping in, creeping up into that, you know, that second tier right now. And for thirteen dollars, that's a that's a pretty cheap, um, good starting option at, at first base right now. So, yeah, I think that's a good point, kind of about the second tier too. We just mentioned that with Rio Muto, who kind of was filling in kind of that second tier, borderline first tier player now. Uh, and I think you know you see a lot of the teams where where they win championships is not in owning like the top player studs it's that they own a ton of those second tier stars and they own them all at great prices so they're just racking up tons of surplus value through these guys and then you know you throw in a great player like mike trout or something all of a sudden that team looks totally unstoppable (laughs) yeah i want to jump in on on a couple of these guys i mean david ortiz is having a crazy year he's got 34 doubles we're a week away from the all-star break so (laughs) i mean he's got a chance to to hit 40 before we even break. But, you know, I think Ortiz is fascinating from a fantasy perspective too, because 
is he going to come at a discount in some leagues because of the fact that well in auto new leagues specifically because it's a it's a keeper dynasty setup but is he going to return next year very very strong chance he retires that's all indications are that he will but he's having such an insane year it seems strange to to walk away when when he's doing so well um i chose i, di- I chose a different guy and actually a guy that's kind of similar to what Justin said about Brandon Bell. I chose Will Myers. He's been in, he's been insane this year too, and he kind of came out of nowhere. He's similar to Brandon Bell in the sense that I think both Myers and Bell now project only to be eligible at first base next year. So neither of them have played in the outfield, which is really where Belt has gotten his value this year, and probably the only reason why Myers was targeted in in drafts this year everybody assumed that he would play the outfield and be very good there but or be decent there but he's been he's exceeded that so he's now the fifth ranked first baseman almost going into the all-star break looks pretty looks pretty legit uh 381 weighted on base so he's right there with like guys like edwin encarnacion and Freddie Freeman, I would say, in that court category at this point. So if it's real, he's young enough to to be a a top six, seven first baseman next year. Yeah, I think uh, he reminds me a little of Ramos too. That you know, the past couple of years, people have been looking for something from Will Myers, and he never really has quite uh, delivered. He's been decent, he's been playable, uh, but especially at first base, if you had told me Myers would be the fifth best outfielder this year. You know, I would have been a little suspicious, but I would have said, okay, maybe it could happen. If you told me he would have been the fifth best first baseman, I would have said, no way. There's no way he's going to do that. And he's doing it. He actually leads baseball, I think. He actually leads all first basemen in war, which is also kind of interesting. And I remember he's doing it in San Diego. So, you know, here's another just, Sam, you made the comment earlier about sometimes when you don't own certain players and you... All of a sudden, you take some time to look through the st- statistics. Things stick out. Just off the top of your head, who's been the better player this year, Joey Votto or Chris Davis? So this is one of those questions where I feel like if I pick the obvious answer, I'm going to get fooled. Uh, so my gut says Joey Votto, but I feel like the answer is going to be Chris Davis. <laughs> yeah, the answer is Joey Votto by hair. So, I mean, ah, but, again, but similar. I, I, I just asked the question because the perception for me has been that Joey Votto is having a terrible year and he's not having a great year for sure, but he's still been better than some of these other guys that you expect to have a, a super year too. Votto gets a, a bad rap sometimes. So, you know what? It's interesting. You tripped me up a little there too with the same thing. I don't own Votto in any leagues, you know, so I, I have just kind of been sticking with my perception of Votto without looking at what he's doing this season. Right. Whereas if I had him on my team, I might be looking at him saying like, oh my God, you're killing me, Votto. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's very interesting how owning a player can really skew your perception of him, uh, which I think is something, maybe we should do a podcast on this in the future about kind of staying um, like unskewed about your own player, staying objective. Because sometimes you could own a guy and you think he's doing great or doing terrible. And that might have no connection to how he's actually doing compared to other players at his position. You know, that's kind of a challenge in Adonu is to try and stay objective about your own team. Uh, any other first baseman you guys wanted to bring up? Uh, no, I don't think so. All right, uh, let's jump to second base then. So uh, I have here uh, Daniel Murphy. You guys have Jose Altuve. Uh, looks like we got a couple other second basemen 
further down, maybe in the middle infield. But let's just stick with this this tier right here for now. Um, do one of you guys want to talk about Altuve a little bit first? Go ahead, Justin. Yeah, I mean, what what can you say? Um, <laughs> I, for for a guy that's uh, you know what is he five foot eight? Um, he's showing uh, more power than anybody ever would have thought he would have, and uh, you know he's still stealing bases. He's still walking a ton. Um, he's got a hundred points more than than Cano at second base. Cano and Carpenter right now. Um, so he's far and away the best performing second baseman. Um, he's not the cheapest, so he's not necessarily the best value because he does have basically a $28 average salary. But um, that's still, even at $28, that's still a, a pretty big bargain for him right now um, based on how he's been performing. And, he, you know, and because he hits at the top of the lineup, there's that, that hidden benefit of you know he gets more plate appearances per game. So your, your currency that you're spending to play him is a game, but he's getting more plate appearances than, than a lot of other guys would because he does hit at the top of the lineup. So, um, and he plays a ton. I mean, he, he had basically he's had more than 670 plate appearances, you know, the last three years, and he's well on his way to having um, about that many this year as well. So, yeah, I think what's cool about Altuve is uh, if you look back to our second base rankings, I, I think we did have him as the top player, maybe the second uh, rated number two of all second basemen going into no, the I, season. I think he was first. Yeah. So we had him, you know, ranked very highly. But again, like some of these players we've been mentioning, you know, we had him ranked first, but we had no idea he was going to be far and away the best player like this. You know, we didn't have him ranked, you know, head and shoulders above everybody else in the league. <laughs> well, this is the All-Stars podcast, but I mean, you got to start talking about MVP right now for Altuve. He's He's been incredible. And I think I saw an article on ESPN the other day talking about the AL MVP and the first name they brought up was Ian Desmond. But I don't see how you overlook Altuve. Trout's been amazing too, but... Altuve's been above and beyond what what anybody expected. So I mean, he's hitting 350, 422, 560 for a guy who is basically as tall as a baseball bat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially even you know the average doesn't count in uh, in auto new points, but I mean, just to hit 350 this year, you know, as offense has been kind of sinking over the past few years, and it's bounced back a little bit, you know, this past season. But still, as offense has gone down, you haven't seen players hitting 340, 350, 360 like that. And, I mean, he's doing that with power and with steals. You know, that is a complete player. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he has he has the second most hitter points in Ottenew through the, through the first half here, um, at least as of the time I did. That's not just second baseman. That's everybody, that, right? That's everybody. Yeah, the only, there's only one player that has more points in him, and it's Josh Donaldson. It's not even Trout. Um He's he's got more points than than any first baseman, <laughs> than any outfielder. So, and he's playing second base, which is a pretty you know pretty valuable position to to have that kind of performance at right now. Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, the other guy I had on the list here um, was a little more of an all star in the value per performance sense. Uh, he was actually extremely hot early in the season, but um, now he's come back to earth a little bit, and that's Daniel Murphy, who uh, is owned at an average price of just over eleven dollars. I remember. Um, like I said, early in the season, that looked like a crazy value. You know, he was head and shoulders above everybody else, uh, but he's still hitting quite well. And I think um, more than even anyone expected from him coming out of last year. Um, so he's one of those players where, you know, I, I don't think you're going to win your league with Daniel Murphy. But if you picked him up, you know, his average price is $11. If you were in a league where you managed to pick him up maybe for seven or eight, you know, you're sitting really happy with him right now. Um, even if the guy across the way might have Altuve, 
if they paid $28, $30, you know, they're getting a nice profit too. But hopefully having someone like Daniel Murphy cheap is something that could allow you to keep pace with a team like that. Yeah, I mean, he's been great. Um, you're right. He's definitely fallen off a little bit after a crazy hot start. Um, but you can't complain about, you know, right now he's the fourth highest second baseman um, based on total points. And, uh, you know, you'll take that for, like you said, the average price of $11. Um, that's that's he's definitely been worth every penny and then some. So, yeah. And like we mentioned before, you know, if you get that performance over the first half, it's in the bank. You know, if Murphy falls off a little more in the second half, you can kind of morph to playing someone else or you can wheel and deal, try and bring in another player. But you don't have to give back that crazy hot performance from the first couple of months. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't see any reason to believe that he won't be an eleven dollars second baseman in the second oh, half yeah. at a minimum. So you know, so you're still, you know, worst case scenario, I think right now, barring an injury, obviously. Uh, but the worst case scenario is he basically is what you thought he was going to be at the beginning of the season. And you know, like you said, you've you've already banked a, a first half performance that's probably like a twenty four, twenty five dollar performance, maybe twice what he's being paid right now. Um, you know, so even if he's worth eleven the rest of the way, you still ended up with about a twenty dollar player for for eleven bucks. So yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, he was always a pretty solid hitter. If he just becomes a pretty solid hitter again, you know, you, like you said, you still already banked that, um, and that's a little different than say a player like Wilson Ramos, where even though he's been playing great. You know, there is still that voice in the back of your head, like, what if it's not for real? What if he falls back off? Whereas with Murphy, I feel like you have a little more floor there because of his past performance. Right, right. There's a little more history uh, behind it and a little more, um, you know, and, you know, and, he, and he's in a better park, too. I mean, that that does matter a little bit, um, you know, that he's in he's in Washington now. I think that contributed to to some of his heart's hot starts. So, um you know, he's 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 in a better park for for hitting than he was when he was in New York. So, yeah, definitely. All right. Well, uh, next up, we got shortstop and we have a ton of guys lined up here, which kind of tells you the state of shortstop this season. I'm just going to run through the guys we have listed and then maybe we'll pick out a few to start. Um, I had on my list Jonathan VR at two dollars. This is average salary. Ian Desmond, uh, who I believe you mentioned in the article, Justin, as an outfielder because he's playing mainly outfield this year. Uh, his average salary is only $12, but he's been playing like a top outfielder, certainly like a top shortstop. Um, Justin, you put here Gene Segura, average price $4. Trevor Story, who, of course, you heard all about, average price $5. Um, Corey Seager, Trey Martin here. Um, Trey, I don't know Seager's average salary if you want to bring that up, but I'm sure it can't be that much. Um, I've been seeing him owned at $15, $16. I think it's somewhere around he's, there. Yeah, he's at 13 so. 13 yeah, even better. Um, and he's been playing, again, like a top-tier shortstop. And Eduardo Nunez, who has been playing excellently this year, his average price is just $2. Um, I mean, I'd be happy to own any of these guys. And then, plus, of course, you look over at the article where Justin had listed Manny Machado, who has been playing, like, far and away the top shortstop. Um, and, and, Justin, maybe you can comment on his top price, but um, I think he even is owned at fairly good prices because, you know, there wasn't a lot of consensus on the best shortstop coming in this year. And he wasn't owned really at those elite tier prices that you might expect for a player of his caliber. Yeah, I mean, Machado was for for first year leagues, but because he was in so many, you know, he was such a longly held keeper in so many leagues. And, um, you know, his average price is 32. Um, and and I and again, I think a lot of that is because he's been kept for a while and uh, he just hasn't come 100 percent up to market rate yet. Um, you know, but another guy that we didn't even mention. Okay. That, that, that Tom didn't mention in that, 
And that rundown was Aladmus Diaz. Yeah. Okay. I and, can't and, believe we didn't mention him. <laughs> you know, so it, it's kind of the year of the the cheap unsung shortstop. Uh, Diaz is a three dollar average price, and and before the season he was, you know, he probably wasn't owned hardly anywhere. So that's a three dollar average price just because that, you know he had a, his hot start. Um, every single name that we mentioned is, is a top twelve shortstop right now in Ottawa, and. It, you know, outside of right now, outside of Manny Machado, um, Xander Bogarts is fourth and Carlos Correa, Correa is sixth. Pretty much everybody else is an under $10 guy or an under $15 guy, certainly. And, and half of them are probably under $5 average price right now. So there's really a lot of um, a lot of cheap shortstops that are putting up fantastic first first half of the season. So um you know, the story thing was beat to death early in the season, um, but he's still hitting. Um, he had a little bit of a slump, but I, I feel like he's he's turned it around again, and he's he's still hitting. And same thing with Diaz. Uh, Diaz went through a rough spell, but I think he's turned it on again as of late. And, uh, you know, for, for $5 at the, the most valuable position in Audenew, uh under $5 for, 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 you know, a few of these guys, Segura, Diaz, Trevor Story, VR, Nunez. I mean, those are all guys that are average price under $5 right now. And uh, they're all top 12 shortstops. So, yeah, this is really a good year to be picking up, you know, just taking a shot on a random shortstop. And some of these guys hit. I remember I think we had mentioned on, again, one of our ranking podcasts when we're talking about our rankings for shortstops. And we had kind of mentioned that um, that in previous years, shortstop had just been an absolute wasteland. You know, you had maybe the top six or so guys. And just everybody else was horrible. Like you really like it pained you to be starting any of those guys. And then last year we noted there were a few more that started to kind of trickle up and you had some depth there. And this year we've seen it really to an extent that I don't think we've seen since I've been playing out So like the past five or six years, there's never been a class of shortstops like this where so many guys in that two, three, four, five dollar range have really been not just playable, but legit, you know, top 12 starters. Yeah, and they're all, I mean, pretty much all young, too. I mean, we're seeing a huge wave of uh, of young shortstops, and we're not even mentioning, you know, Xander Bogarts and Francisco Lindor. Carlos Correa, um, yeah. Carlos Correa, you know, that they're also in that top 12. And, uh, you know, it's just it's just a, a young position right now, and it's full of a lot of studs that, that should be there, you know, should be good for the foreseeable future, so. Yeah, this is a good time to be uh, taking shots on shortstops. Like I said, Diaz um, is Diaz is still leading. Excuse me, he's second among all shortstops in weighted on base. Believe it or not, so <laughs> and we didn't even put him on the list. I know. <laughs> yeah, that I guess that, like I said, that just tells you how crazy the position's been this year. We managed to name six or seven guys and not even touch on Diaz. <laughs> well, and and to to circle about back around to Desmond, I mean, he's the second highest shortstop right now, but but he's a top five outfielder, you know, so it's kind of rare that you have a guy that, um, you know, he's actually qualifies as a, as a better starter at outfield than he does at shortstop right now. Now, I know that's not really true because, you know, you don't start just one guy, but for the purposes of my article, I was kind of surprised that, well, Machado was one. So where am I going to fit Desmond in? Yeah. Um, you know, he didn't fit in at middle infield because Carpenter had more points than he did, but he fit in as a top five outfielder. So, I mean, and that kind of tells you something just about the state of a shortstop in general. You know, not only that one guy is eligible at outfield and is a top player there, but that, you know, by that ranking, you might expect that shortstop replacement level 
is higher than outfield this year. Now, I don't know that that's going to continue. It could just kind of be a fluke of the first half. But the fact that we're even having that conversation is, is something that I never would have expected. Yeah, and I, I haven't really run any numbers to, to verify this, but I feel like maybe outfield has been um, kind of rough this year. Um, I, I, think I that's would totally part of, agree. <laughs> I think that's part of it as well. Um, we've had a lot of studs that have been either injured or, you know, just not performing uh, to par. So, yeah, and especially I think um, like some of those very tippy top players, McCutcheon has kind of underperformed. Harper's kind of underperformed. You know, so when you don't have those really super elite players pulling the tier of your players up, it, it may be that the replacement level at outfield is fine. It's just that a lot more of that value is concentrated in those middle tier players and not in the superstars who would appear, you know, in the top five. Right. All right. Well, let's um, let's keep it moving to third base. Uh, I see both of you guys mentioned Nick Castellanos here. I also thought it was good to mention Jake Lamb. Um, Jake Lamb is, uh, I noted lower down, uh, top 20 hitter by total points, um, but is only $4 uh, owned as his average price. So he's hitting quite well. Nick Castellanos, again, is uh, hitting like one of the top third basemen, only owned at $7. And then, of course, uh, we'd be remiss not to mention Josh Donaldson, who has scored the most points in Adenu and is third base eligible. Um, so, of course, you're going to pay a little more for Donaldson, but if you have him on your team, I'm sure you're not complaining that you spent a good chunk of salary on him. <laughs> um, just like uh, we mentioned up here with Rio Muto, I don't own Castellanos in any of my leagues. So, uh, Trey or Justin, can you speak a little to how he's been performing? I'll jump in on Castellanos because I did own him for a while. I owned him in the Champions League. And just to give you an idea of his season, in April, he had a 394 weighted on base. In May, a 371. And then in June, a 330. So he was riding <laughs> a 464 bad bip in April. It dropped to 306 in May and 333 in June. So I think it was pretty obvious to most people that he was kind of standing on top of this cliff that was probably going to he's going to fall at any time. But he's still been, like you guys said earlier, you still get credit for those points. You still get credit for the production. And he's still now a top 10 third baseman with a 372 Woba. So he's young. You know, he's, again, he's kind of one of those guys that didn't break out at the perfect time where everybody thought they did it, thought that he would. So they sort of wrote him off. He's the, maybe he's the Wilson Ramos of, of third baseman at this point, but he's had a pretty good season. I'm anxious to see what he finishes with. I, I still would be a seller at this point, but uh, he's had a good season for those that, that own him cheap. Yeah. And speaking of the Wilson Ramos of third base, um, we have him ranked here among the outfielders, but he's third base eligible as well as Adam Duvall for the Reds. Um, who just was selected to the real-life All-Star team. So congratulations to him. Um, and he's only owned for $2 at average price across the league. I'm sure he's he, listening. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we send out our congratulations. Maybe I'll send him a little card or something. Thanks for appearing on the podcast. <laughs> um, but he's only owned at $2 across the league. He reminds me a little bit of Aledmus Diaz in that, you know, some people, maybe a little more in Duval's case, had heard of him beginning the season. They might have picked him up for a couple dollars in the draft. But really, nobody expected much more than him to be maybe a platoon bat, maybe to be kind of your backup third baseman. Uh, and instead, he's performed very capably. You know, He's performed enough to be starting him at outfield or at third base. And just like a lot of these players, he's owned very cheaply. If you have him, I can't imagine you paid more than a couple bucks. 
Yeah, it, it's it's interesting to me too because when we did our rankings, um, I don't know if he we even had Duvall, um, if we even had Duvall on our rankings. I, but I, I think do... I had him on my outfield, but I I must have only put a dollar on him. He was down, you know, in the last very last tiers. <laughs> yeah, but when I did the, I'm I'm just looking right now to to make sure I'm saying the right thing. Um, but when I had the circle surplus calc dollar values. Yeah, he was on there at two dollars, so not not a ton, but I know he was a guy that I think he was even higher than that on uh, like one of the earlier versions of the surplus calc. I think he was on like four or five dollars. So I feel like he was a guy that got snatched up a lot as a late gain, uh, late auction pickup by by guys that were using that surplus calculator to base some of their values on. And so far, it's been a, it's been a big win. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, picked him up in one league basically based on that <laughs> advice, and it's worked out for me. <laughs> I mean, the profile's a little scary because he he strikes out a ton, and he he basically, uh, you know, he, he he's got tons of pop, but he's he's very much of a, you know, I'm just going to grip it and rip it kind of kind of player. He strikes out 27.6 percent of the time right now, but he's got a 304 ISO. I mean, he's hit 22 <laughs> home runs in the first half, and for a guy that basically had a total of 140 played appearances in the majors before this year um you know that's crazy it's it's been pretty impressive but i mean i don't think that power is going to continue i think it's he's definitely going to taper off but um you know if he has if he you take 100 points off that iso and he's still going to be a, a valuable player so yeah and I, I think we've said it before and we'll set it again um if you had him through the first half you already put that production in the bank if he performs like a five, six dollar third baseman for the rest of the way or outfielder, I would happily take that, you know, especially considering even if he plays like a six dollar player, you probably are still getting a couple dollars of surplus there on top of what you already got. Yeah, and it helped for him, you know, to have that versatility of, of third base and outfield eligibility. Um, you know, I think we talked about this a little bit in the preseason, but third third base kind of had some weird um, replacement level issues just because there are so many third base eligible players were eligible at what would normally be more valuable positions that it kind of made third base seem artificially shallow. Um, you know, so a guy like him would actually, um, you know, end up being close to a top 12 option at third base, even before the season started, just because of how shallow it seemed because there were better positions for the guys that were eligible there. So, yeah, I, I noticed we had a lot of overlap third base and outfield guys like Chris Bryant, Duvall is another one like that. Um, and, and even where, and even shortstop and second base. I mean, you had oh yeah, you had, uh, Machado and you had Chris Carp or not Chris Carpenter, uh, Matt Carpenter, Matt Carpenter. Yeah, um, you know that were third base eligible guys, but they weren't going to be ranked at third base because they were so much more valuable at other positions. So yeah, well, and definitely, I think we'd all agree that shortstop and second base, you should definitely be playing them there. But if you recall, there was a little controversy, not not necessarily among us, but between some people, kind of on the Slack groups and on different league boards. Uh, as to whether you should play certain players, especially Chris Bryant, at the outfield or at third base. Um, and, and like you mentioned, it sometimes made third base appear kind of artificially depressed that so many of these players, you're not only starting at the infield, but then pulling them to start at the outfield, and you don't quite have as many of those pure third base options. So sometimes those guys who are a little further down the list, they get pulled up as a pure third base option because people are trying to fill spots in their outfield. Um, speaking of the outfield... We actually had Duvall ranked here as one of the top values at the outfield. So that kind of tells you, you know, if he's been somebody that was valuable at third base or at outfield, that's the case for a lot of these players that you kind of can pick your choice of where to use them 
if you're getting such value and then mix and match them around the rest of your team. Uh, a couple other players we had here at the outfield, of course, Mike Trout, um, who is going to rank near the top of all of these lists because even when you pay a lot for him, he can just totally carry your team. Uh, I noted here Mookie Betts. Uh, he's owned at about $20 across most leagues, and he's really been in the conversation for one of the top outfielders. Uh, Jackie Bradley, only owned at about $5. Michael Saunders, only owned at about 2 or $3, I think. Odubel Herrera, again, owned under $5 in most leagues. So if you're seeing a trend here, a lot of these outfielders you know, are the same kind of guys that you picked up for under $5, and they've been playing like $20, $25 players. You know, some of them, even since last year, I know Herrera especially is somebody that not everybody bought coming off of last year. They said, ah, it was just a fluke year. And he's really been backing it up this year. He's been playing like a $15, $20 player consistently, maybe more than that. Yeah, I, I don't know how he's doing it. <laughs> I, you know, he, the projections didn't really particularly care for him. Yeah. And, you know, he was a Rule 5 pick for a reason. Um, but, I mean, he's he's put it up now for a year and a half. So, um, You know, you Johan know. Santana was a Rule 5 pick, so maybe we're yeah. seeing the second coming here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's certainly proved uh, that, that he belongs. And, and, you know, the Phillies will take it right now because he's been – They need it. He's been great, yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, just to circle back to, to Michael Saunders, I mean, he was a guy I liked last year, you know, moving to Toronto and he had that early season knee issue that, that kept him out and he basically didn't play much at all last year. So I feel like he was a little bit forgotten going into this season. And, and frankly, I don't I think I only own him in one league. So it's not like he was a, I, I didn't retain him as a target for this year, but, um, he's basically been even better this year than I thought he could have been last year. Uh, when I was relatively high on him and, you know, he's been, he's been a stud. Um, Saunders might be one of those guys that ends up, you know, I'm sure we'll have a podcast about it eventually, but you know, we, we talk in the past about which are the top guys that are going to attract arbitration in the off season. And he may end up being one of those guys because he's, he's owned so cheaply. I'm in, I think in the three leagues that I'm in, he's owned for a dollar. So he was the guy that was the, final bid you threw out there in the auction or you scooped him off off waivers uh, at the very beginning of, of April, something like that. And he's had a great season for, I mean, almost nothing. So when we get into MVP, you know, most valuable player, when you talk about points per dollar spent, he's got to be up there in that conversation. Yeah, I well, think with Saunders too, um, he reminds me of Wilson Ramos a little bit in that he's a player that the past couple seasons he had kind of been a hot sleeper name and didn't quite produce. And finally, if you were somebody that gave him one more chance this year, you know, you're getting a huge benefit. You know, So maybe someone like Bradley or Herrera, people might wonder, you know, are they going to keep it up? These guys aren't players who are projected to have much power. But Saunders is a guy that over the past couple of years, people really thought he could be something. So I think a lot of people are going to believe that this is a legitimate breakout and they're really going to target him. I think you're right. <laughs> You know, and sort of the corollary to what uh, Trey's talking about there with the sort of the most valuable player, the, the player is going to attract the most arbitration is um, I know Nate Emerson used to run, a, you know, which players appear on the most championship, auto new championship teams. Um, and I feel like right now, I mean, if he keeps it up, Michael Saunders is a prime candidate to be, you know, one of the, the first two or three players, most owned players on championship teams, because, you know, you get a top. Right now, he's a top 
15 outfielder for, for one or $2. Um, you know, it's huge. I mean, everybody knows that I'm, I'm surplus is my middle name. And, um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's an example of that right there. I mean, when you, when you can get that performance from a guy that's $2 and you get a performance of like Wilson Ramos for a guy that's $3, that's how you win your league. That's how you put yourself in a position to win your league. Um, because you're getting a, a, you know, a surplus benefit there that, you know, your, your other, you know, the, the other owners in your league and they, they're holding the $50 McCutcheon. They're not getting that benefit right now. They've got a huge deficit right now on McCutcheon. So, um, you know, that's, you don't always know exactly who those guys are going to be in the beginning of the season. And, and a lot of the guys that own him right now, they'll probably even be the first to admit that it's just kind of luck that they backed into owning a guy like that right now. But, um, you know, you can't take away from the fact that, that they do own that Michael's honors for $2 and, and he's putting up a great year so. Yeah, there had to be some little bit of skill that made them say at the end of the auction, you know, why don't I take a shot on Saunders instead of a dozen other players they could have, and now they're yep. getting the reward for that. Yeah, like Billy Hamilton and Fangraph points. <laughs> Billy Hamilton? Uh, I don't think Billy Hamilton's worth $1. I think he's well, $15 I agree with you, or $17 but but where I've seen him. <laughs> yeah, but if you look hey, at his average price and, you if, know. It, if Saunders is the Wilson Ramos of outfielders, I'm going to throw out there that Mookie Betts is the Jose Altuve of outfielders. Because, I mean, just looking at, again, going back to what Tom said in the very beginning, sometimes things surprise you when you don't look at the the leaderboards for, for a while. But Mookie Betts, I don't own him anywhere, but I think he's a fantastic player and he's fun to watch. But he's his WOBA, he's the third overall outfielder behind Trout and Bryant. But his WOBA is far below that of everybody else in the top 10. But he's the third highest scoring outfielder. And then you look at his plate appearances. He's got he's got 40 more plate appearances than anybody, any outfielder wow. that I can see except for George Springer. And that's because Springer has been batting leadoff for Houston for many, many weeks. So you look at a guy like Betts and then Springer, that's a great example of what Justin was talking about before where – Altuve, Betts, you get those guys that are good hitters that hit at the very top of the lineup and they just make that rotation one or two extra times every every week or so and it adds up. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, you know, guys like Altuve and Betts are, are prime examples of that. I mean, when Trout was his first couple of years, he was hitting lead off and he was another great example of that. I mean, he's middle order the guy now, but um you know, it's catch 22 because the, the better these guys hit, the more likely it is they will be moved down in the order. But for right now, um, you know, it's a huge benefit. Well, I, not a huge benefit, but it, it's a clear benefit uh, to have these guys hitting first or second in the lineup, getting more plate appearances per game. And uh, I think something to note, too, with Mookie is that he's playing on that Red Sox offense where no matter where you're batting in the lineup, they are hitting so well that you just keep coming up over and over it, again multiple times per game. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's a great point, Tom. That it's not just his his spot in the lineup; it's the fact that that lineup is so good is another reason why they're turning it over so you know turning the lineup over so frequently. So yeah, I think that may contribute to Jackie Bradley, who also uh, I think I looked he's playing like at a top fifteen level, only owned at a couple dollars, and, and again he's splitting in that same lineup where even if he's hitting a little worse by woba, he's making it up and getting so many plate appearances over some of the guys that are nearby him in the standings. <laughs> right. All right, well, uh, just to run down real quickly, our last couple of guys at Outfield, um, these are the guys that Justin had mentioned in the article. These are the top performers overall. We already hit Mookie Betts, Mike Trout. Uh, Chris Bryant kind of hit on that same discussion about third base or outfield. 
you know, because he's a top player at either position. Um, so I really think that kind of helps you out. Depending on your team, you can determine where to play him. Ian Desmond, who we mentioned as a shortstop and is instead the fourth best outfielder as well. And Will Myers, same situation. Uh, he's been playing like a top four or five first baseman and is also one of the top five outfielders. So uh, it, it seems like we had thought maybe third base would be the position where people got stolen. Some of these outfielders are eligible all over the map, too. <laughs> yeah, I, and, you know, it's it's definitely interesting to see. You know, the third base outfielder, um, you know, Chris Bryant, it's probably not a huge surprise that he that he's a top five outfielder right now. Um, but Ian Desmond sure was a was a huge surprise that he's a top five outfielder. Um, you know, and you've got a lot of, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of the names that you would expect that are kind of just after this, you get guys like, um, Carlos Gonzalez is seventh, Trumbo is sixth, Nelson Cruz is eighth. Um, you know, so there's, there's definitely some more of the, uh, usual suspects there in the next tier. But, um, you know, I just want to mention, make, make, make mention of this. I didn't mention in the article, but I mean, Bryce Harper's not in that top five. And after the the first month plus of the season that he had, where it looked like, you know, everyone was talking about, you know, here you go. He's the most valuable player in Ottawa right now. And he's not even a top, uh, let's see, he's not a top 10 outfielder right now. So. Hey, he's 12th. All right. Well, we're coming up on about 45 minutes here. Uh, I know Justin likes when we report the time of the episode. It's become kind of our tradition. Um, so why don't we call it here? Uh, we'll come back next week. We'll talk about starting pitchers and relief pitchers that fall into the same All-Stars category. Uh, if anybody is listening on iTunes, of course, we appreciate if you want to rate or review us. Uh, and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.